What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hey everyone, it's Yasser and I'm calling today with a little favour to ask. Over the recent weeks and months, I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions and today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialling a Q&A segment where I'll be joined by co-host and elite coach educator Gerard Jones. Now these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT live on Twitter space if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise, I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format, slightly different, and for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in where myself and Joa will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you could let me know your thoughts on the new format, and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at thecoachesnet. Once again, that is at thecoachesnet. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Tonight we're going to talk about how we can sort of design game day objectives to support the player. What we really want to do is make sure that this space, along with a lot of the topics we do each week, is interactive. So, you know, if anyone's got any questions or any comments, feel free to, uh, you know, raise your hand and ask to speak and we can join you in the conversation. So, just a quick introduction. My name's Gerard Jones. I'm the Director of Coaching with Sporting Kansas City. And I've got a bit of experience working within the ECBB at different levels, different clubs, as well as a coach developer with United States Soccer Federation, FA, UEFA, CAF, and various other organisations. On the call with me, we've got Coach Yaz. Uh, he's going to be busy for the first few minutes, but he's going to jump on as well. And uh, we're going to make a deep dive. So, straight away, how do we design game day objectives for players? Um, with this question, what I would say is the biggest thing I'm always sort of thinking in my mind is how can we individualise everything we do to meet the players' needs? So thinking about what you know, what are their strengths, what are their areas for development, how can we individualise it and, and use the game day as another opportunity to stretch and challenge the players? Um, it's probably more f- frequent in my mind right now in terms of this topic. I'm literally driving from one game to the next, and I'm just coming from a game of sort of reflecting on some of the observations I've seen. I- I'd encourage you all to think about how well do you plan your game day objectives or your game day coaching. Um, some of the challenges I often see with, with coaches is that you know we put a lot of effort and planning. We always talk about the training session plan plan our activities, we plan our exercises, durations, workloads, the questions we're going to ask, um, what challenges we're going to set, what rules, how we're going to progress it. We put a lot of detail into that that planning of a training session. 
how much time spent do we do when it comes to games? And is it the same? So a quick question for everyone in the room is, if, if, if you were to, to reflect on your own practice and think about you know, the time you've spent planning a training session, how much of that time is, is equivalent to how much you would do when you're reflecting and preparing for, for a match day? Um, when we're doing the game day objectives, how can we involve the players? So something we're going to talk a little bit about tonight, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, is across a three-eye approach. So often when I'm watching coaches, and I've just come from a game uh, today, and obviously the academy were playing yesterday, futsal. We've got more futsal games uh, later on this afternoon that I'm driving to. I'm looking at coaches across the three eyes. So that would be inspire, involve, and inform. So how well do we inspire the players? How well can we inform the players and how well do we involve them? I often find that a lot in a lot of our coaching, especially when we talk about game day objectives and, and what that actually means, so setting a challenge or a specific role or a mission for the player, for the individual player as well as the team or units, you know, who designs those? How, how much are we telling them what to do versus how much can we involve them in the process and and almost co-design, and finding that balance between being quite instructional and directive where we need to, or, or telling them, hey, this is the objective for today, or this is the mission, these are our unit objectives, this is a team objective, but then there's our individual challenge. And then how much of that can we involve the players and co-design with them? So a little couple of things to think about just there. I'll repeat those three again. So it's inspire, involve, and inform. And often when I'm watching coaches, I'm looking at, well, one, how well do we inform? You know, is it clear or is it ambiguous? Um, the, the objectives, how well is it suited to what the players need to do based on the task of the game and some of the problems they need to solve? How can we even think about some of the problems that we're designing for the players? Of course, match day, a lot of it is about, you know, the object of the game is score more goals than the opposition. We want to win the game, of course we do. And there'll be times where we're managing the game, managing players to try and influence the performance of the result. But we've also got to think about the journey and the process of that journey for the individual player. So how can I scaffold that player? What particular players am I going to target more in this game? And based on some of the problems the game may present, how does that help me in my game day of coaching? So how I can reflect in action. So not so much reflecting on action, although that's important as well, you know, when we're reflecting after the game or even at half-time, we were thinking about what could we say differently and then how that goes into the second half. How can we become really good at reflecting in-game, that reflection in action, in order to, to think about how we individualise our objectives further? So there's a lot of information there. And obviously that some of that's talking about the, the sort of inform, in if you like, where you're providing information. Involve is another interesting topic. You know, how well do we involve the players in that? How well do we check for understanding and how do we inspire them? How can we create a mission or an objective that inspires them to build momentum within the game? So grow within the game and build confidence within the game based on what it is that they're trying to achieve. So it's almost finding that right challenge sweet spot uh, that's going to hit them in terms of the right level of difficulty. So just a few things there. Uh, if there's any questions, I'd love to open up some interaction. If there's anything from Yaz or 
or any of the other listeners based on some of the information I've shared so far, you know, feel free to, to unmute yourself or to raise your hand. If I can, I'd love to go to, you know, a great experience, obviously, Lee, Tony, some other great people in the room work at different levels. You know, if any guys you, you want to add, what what does this mean to you in terms of a question? You know, how do we design game the objectives? What would it mean to you? Where would you start? What are some of your thoughts around what we shared so far around inspire, involve, and inform? How are you doing, how are you doing Lee? You yeah, all right? I'm good. I'm good, thank you. Okay. Brilliant. Yeah, Good. it'd be great um, to get your, your thoughts on this. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, really, for me. Um, kind of looking at how you inspire the players and how we, you know, over the course of my coaching career, really, looking at how I inspire the individual, I guess, and um, how I look to set challenges within a game environment. So um, what I've learned over the last couple of years is um, setting them different challenges within a to the individual, Um how they set challenges within a unit and then a couple of game day in in a in a team environment as well. So how I set the challenges. And uh one way that I've done it that I find it really effective was um from my time at MK Dons really. Uh so what we do we we weren't quite heavy on individual and unit work. So what we would do is um on a Monday we would so the analysis uh, department would send out the game on a Sunday. And what we did is we put players into unit groups. So defenders, midfielders and attackers and wide players. Um, and on a Monday, what we would do is we'd sit down um, myself. I would take a unit. Uh, my assistant coach might take a unit. Um, and then what we do is we would put them into their groups. So on a Sunday, they would communicate to each other and, and work together and set themselves challenges. So what we would look for from, from them on a Saturday. So what we would do is sit down... And basically, the players would feed back to us um, what what they were looking for, um, and what we would do is we would record these. Um, we would record it, so we'd film the meetings every single meeting. So what we would do across the season is is build, um, I suppose, like a development diary for them um, with certain challenges in each meeting. So what we would do then is upload it onto the PMA for them, and then what they would have across the season is some real detailed work but the players would feed that back. All we would do as coaches is basically just um, prod and probe and, and gauge where they are in their development and how they understand their roles and responsibilities within a unit. So what we would do then is, like I said, we would record it across the season. Um, and by the time they got to May, they would have had a, uh, my God, nearly over 40 meetings, I guess, um, how to develop themselves within a unit and how they work together. Uh, and then what I would do at the end, recorded we'd have meetings with each individual player sorry can you hear me again kind of bit now yeah just come out for a little bit but yeah go ahead hello sorry i keep losing my yeah we've got, we've, we've, i keep we've got you in and out. apologies so yeah so um the, what we would do each week then individual uh and basically because of uh we would have um, individual meetings with each player. So again, it wasn't just kind of looking at the uh, technical, tactical side of it. We were looking at physical development. Um, so we would have S and C sitting with the meetings. So we weren't just setting them challenges from a, a technical and tactical point of view. 
there was physical challenges as well from the physical development side of it. Um, and also what it helped me do was gauge each individual and how I need to work with them. Um, so basically the players would feed back to me again certain objectives that we had set them to go after in the game. So it wasn't just um, just meetings for the sake of it. They weren't just feeding stuff back for the sake of it. They knew exactly what they were going after when they looked at their clips and when they looked at the footage. So they knew exactly what they're going after and what they're looking for um, and what to clip. So again, it wasn't just the meeting for the sake of it. The players were learning and how to develop themselves. I think we might have lost you a little bit, Lee. I, I can't hear you now, but if I can, I just thought I'd jump in. Absolutely, really thank you for, for, for sharing that info because lots of great detail there, especially in terms of you know, trying to link it back before you as around, you know, how well do we inform them, but how well do we inspire and involve players when we're thinking about game day objectives? So individualising our match day coaching. And I love the fact that there's detail there around getting them to reflect on their own practice, coming up with their own objectives, not only watching video, but you also talk about recording sessions. So that way players can watch stuff back. You know, I even think, I mean, I know it's been doing the rounds. It's not necessarily new practice, but it's good practice, you know, where we've seen Ranieri talking into his uh, Apple Watch, reflecting on stuff, giving himself comments about his observations. You know, and there's certain things where, you know, as we're, we're in sessions or we're planning our work or we're reflecting on the training session, we can get players to do this type of stuff as well, um, as well as us as coaches. You know, are we talking to ourselves? Are we talking to somebody else? You talked about how, You've got coaches who are responsible for certain players or in particular certain units or uh, some of the other individual detail. So I think these are all really good examples of how we can sort of involve the players, but equally be more efficient and effective in where we're making an impact and a connection. So really good thoughts. Yaz, you've got your hand up. Yeah, doing? good, man. Sorry for the delay. Sorry for the delay. But um, no, just, I'm not sure if I'm covering old ground really, but there's a couple of things that kind of popped to mind as, as you guys are talking there and, you know, it's looking at, in terms of how we design the game, the objectives, I think it's really important to understand what, <laughs> it's going to sound, it's going to sound um, a bit silly really, but what is, what is the outcome that we're going after in terms of the game, the objectives? Are we, are we setting, are we setting the tasks? Are we setting objectives to win the game? Are we setting objectives to align it with development? It's interesting. I was having a conversation with some parents today and one of the, you know, one of the, one of the age groups that, are from, that the parents are kind of representing, they're very much focused on trying to win games. And they, they made a point to me, said, oh, you know, the opposition that we played last week, they've done their, re they've done their research against us and that's why we lost. Thinking to myself, no, they haven't done their research. You know, whether they've done their research or not, it's irrelevant. But the bottom line is, is that it, obviously if they have done anything of the sort or the way in which they've delivered that information to you it would, would, would suggest that their priority is to win the game. Therefore, their game, the objectives are influenced and set probably in very... Um, you know, very influenced by the idea that they want to win the game. Not to say that winning is not a priority, but it's just not number one priority, if, if certainly for me in the group that I'm working with. Whereas if my goal is to actually, I want to help the players develop and not to say, you know, as coaches generally, we, you know, we all say that we want our players to develop, but our actions and our behaviours are very different to our intentions sometimes. So I think, you know, just kind of looking at that from that perspective and identifying, right, what is the objective for the game, the objective that we're actually setting? Is it winning or is it development? And I think another point, you know, just to kind of touch on to what um, Lee was saying earlier about, you know, he, he mentioned something on the lines of uh, making sure the players are learning. 
And it's actually, again, another point that I was kind of thinking about today. And it's, you know, if, if Lee, if you've got a response to this, and by all means, jump in. Um, but how are we actually ensuring the players are learning? How do we know that? What, what are the steps that we're taking to make sure that we understand and can clarify learning? So, yeah, just a couple points for me, Gerard. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, man. No, I think it's good. I just wanted to add something before, Lee. It'd be great to get your response and even open up to other people's thoughts. I, I often hear this phrase a lot. We all talk about, don't we, where, where we say like winning versus development or we, we sort of create that continuum and just playing devil's advocate, does it have to be at opposite ends of the spectrum or an actual fact just for people listening? Because the way I view it is that, you know, winning is development and winning looks very different in different ways. The object of the game is we want to score more goals than the opposition. So we're always going into the game that we're wanting and should want to win the game. But then equally, there's... Uh, and you can learn, obviously, through winning. You learn a lot through losing, but you definitely learn a lot through winning as well. I think the challenge for coaches is when you're talking about your game, the objectives, yes, you want to prepare for the match but you and give people clear roles and responsibilities whilst also allowing for autonomy and independent thinking, self-learning, problem-solving, because, you know, we, we want to develop the Mavericks. We want to develop the players who can do things that are unorthodox and unpredictable, you know, and exciting because that's what makes our game the game, isn't it? Versus everything being purely, I say, prescriptive. But in that same breath, winning might, in terms of development for me anyway, is it's winning habits. You know, I think Lee alluded to some of this as well. Got certain behaviours or certain values a certain habit force, but for players as well, whether it's you know that type of thing, um, and for somebody else, it might be how well can they play between and stay between. So there's like individual objectives, isn't there? And there's almost miniature games within games within another game in that getting the the best of your opponent, like whoever that direct opponent is within the game, and being able to outplay them, whilst also operating within the 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 umbrella of the bigger game. So for me, winning and development, it's, you know, I often hear like performance versus learning or whatever, but I also think that, well, actually, you can learn by performing. You know, I'm just playing devil's advocate, but just, just throwing another thing in there just to consider. For me, game day objectives is how can we put them in a platform where it's individualised, but also we're, we're setting up our team to be successful, you know, and then obviously as a result of that, the individuals will get better. Hopefully. Yeah, no, I think you're spot on, Gerard. I know it's again another conversation I was having today with some parents around the idea around, you know, are we trying to win games? Well, yeah, we are trying to win games. We want the win to be the byproduct of how effective the players play, though. We don't want it to be something that we're, di- we're directing towards. We must win. Do you know what I mean? Because I do agree that you can definitely learn from winning. You definitely can learn from losing as well. And I don't think it's it necessarily whether you win or lose that makes a difference. I think it's how you extract learning and how you, how you consolidate the information that you've kind of reflected on. And that, that, I guess that's what my, my point was coming back to initially around, you know, like I said, Lee made the point around, you know, making sure the players are learning. You know, it'd be really interested, maybe get your thoughts and even Lee, if, you're, you know, if you want to share anything around what that actually looks like as a clarification purpose or a consolidation process, if you like. Yeah, um, it's interesting, really, because like to, to clarify kind of what my meaning was by that. So at the start of the season, obviously, we, we set... Um, you know our principles of what we are so from the you know from an academy point of view um what what the principles are of how we want to play what's our identity 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. And then obviously then we break it down a little bit when we sit down with the players at the start of the season and we set them objectives. Um, they set their objectives as well and also their development plan and what that looks like going forward. So hence, when we sit down and have the player meetings, there's it's like I said, it's not meetings where they're just um, it's just spontaneous every week. It's just stuff that, you know, they just clip what they see. It's stuff that they're, they're specifically going after. So what is it? What would a midfielder, what would their objectives be? So if it was playing forward quickly or can he play forwards off one touch or two touch um, objectives for wide players? So for me, it's it, they're going after specific bits of the game. They're not just watching the game for the sake of it. And when it's, when they're looking at themselves, it's, um, they set targets for each player from what they've set themselves and what we've set for them across the season. So it, it gives you a gauge of um, what they're learning, what information they're taking on board, what actions are actually taking part in the game. Um, and that's from, from good and bad. Do you know what I mean? It's not, it's not always that. So it gives us a clear idea then what to work on when we did a lot of individual work with them across the week in their sessions, what they're practising what we're coaching them as well, because like I said, we went quite heavy individual and unit work. So the, the game's obviously the byproduct, and, that, and that's the that's the important bit. And then across the season as well, we would we would have a block of work where we really went to win games as well. So we would do like a four week block where we would go after the game and we'd go and try and win the game. We made that a a clear focal point and a, a, a I guess a clear focus of what we were doing. Um, so. The plan might change a little bit. The work might change a little bit, but we we wanted to set them something across the week uh, across the season where they get a good balance of everything. So, for me, it gave me a clear idea. Every meeting, it wasn't just being put down on paper or being written on a computer. We could actually go back to meetings and we could actually go back and and see what what was going on, and we could actually see how they were um, learning across the season with the information that they were giving us. Um, and that's that's the key bit. It's that we can always coach and we always want to give them the information, but what are they actually taking on board? So that was really key for me of getting feedback from them mm. um, and making sure I could see actually they were they were learning um, by the by the quality of the clips they were producing. Um, and, and that's the key bit. So just, in, just in, the, in relation to that, then obviously... Would you mind just sharing some insight around what the process looks like from you know at, at the at the top end of it in terms of you identifying what those objectives are going to be? What kind of uh, processes you're following as to whether it, how are they identifying these are relevant tasks or objectives or outcomes that they set in relation to the position they're playing and you know what kind of conversations take place around that specifically? Well, uh, yeah. So from from a from a point of that, it's um, and I'm sure this happens at you know, every other club as well. Um, basically, like I say, you have your principles and your style and your philosophy of how you want to play. So within that, it's broken down into um, positionals, positions, um, roles and responsibilities. So what does it look like for a midfielder technical, uh, technically and tactically? What does it look like from a, a social point of view? So we try and cover the, 
what is the four corners. So we try and break down what we feel is a player that's going to get into our first team. So, so then we kind of sit down with the players. They go through that. We go through it and they pick specific bits out of what we see as a, a centre-back. Um, what is their roles and responsibilities with and without the ball. So that's what we, we go and they kind of focus in on that. So again, it's not just ad hoc. It's not just um, certain stuff that they just go after. It's actually detailed in, in what we see as a first-team player or what we feel that uh, a centre-back may need to get into the first team and become a professional. So they pick little bits out of that. They pick three or four objectives across it from each corner and that goes on to their development plan. So that's what happens. So it's all on, written out for them. It's all designed for them. And then then it can get, then they start to build them pictures in their mind and actually know what that looks like or what specifically they're going after when they're feeding back or when they're um, analysing their cells. So it, there's, it's not just... It's always planned around what we feel a midfielder has or a forward has or a wide player needs to have. So it, it, there's specifics in there that they're going after. So they know what a midfielder needs to have to get into a first at the first team at the club. Um, so that's how we do it. That was how I've done it as well. So if that makes sense. Um, but that's how we go about it. That's, that's how I would start to build a plan for a player across the season. Yaz, I don't know if there's anything... Yeah, no, I saw right. your hand go up, uh, so I was just waiting for you to come in. Yeah, I was just I was just listening and just thinking that, and it's not to throw away a comment with no context or substance. I just think it's important to add in that we always talk about, like, you know, game in terms of, like, what does it need? There's two things, really, there. You've got the preference of whoever the first team coach is, unless we're in an organisation where the sporting director or director of football or whoever it is has got a clear vision. There's other sort of values and principles that are consistent with where we want to operate that takes into effect what's needed to operate at that level, but also what we feel is our brand in terms of the way the supporters want us to play, what our cultural brand is, our identity, etc. There's that side of it in there. We're talking about the pro um, and even some other clubs, I guess. But then the difficulty with that becomes is that we're preparing players for this game but obviously the game will evolve. But how much do we find that balance between, you know, what the head coach's at that time's preference is to get into his first team? But then how long does that guy last all round? What if that guy's way off script and some of the stuff that they're doing isn't constructively aligned with some of the key messages, you know, at the younger end? And of course, we're always having to, you know, even I had to at one point when I was under 21's coach, you're having to adapt to whatever's going on at the top of the hat. But then I think we always forget, like, what does their game look like? And I don't just mean in the comment of small-sided soccer or whatever. Even if you're at 11 by 11, what's their identity as a player? What do they bring to the table? Because, you know, we can talk about player profiles or positions or expectations to get in the first team. You need to do X, Y, Z. But actually, what does their game bring? What are some of their qualities? Because I think it's finding that balance as well, because there are some players who might actually change, you know, and be better than what's already in there. Do you know what I mean? By doing something different or exploiting some of what, what their sort of super strengths are, whether that be physical qualities or other advantages. Um, and I think that's how the game can continually grow. But you always want to make sure, for me, if we're talking about game day and individualised stuff, it's recognising, like, what makes that guy, that kid, special? Because that's part of it as well, versus turning someone into average 
or whatever the baseline is within that league. Well, actually, how can we go above that? Just just a couple of comments from me, two cents. Yeah, and I think some valid points to Gerald as well. And I think there's something just worth adding in there. And you know, this is probably more relevant to those coaches working in and around academy programmes and, you know, professional football environments, if you like, is also recognising that, yeah, we, you know, you can have your club philosophy, but the bottom line is this, every club is going to be set up in a different way in the, in the sense of what the purpose of their academy is. You know, obviously, at the end of the day, we want to produce players, we want to make, you know, get players as many professional contracts as possible, but the bottom line is this, some clubs are literally set up to produce players to sell on. Some clubs are solely reliant on the fact that they needed players coming through their academy to go into their first teams. And I think that that, that piece is also important to identify and address. Um, so, yeah, and I think some really good points there. Tony, I'm not sure what you wanted to add, um, if you still got something you wanted to add there. I know we've been sitting you on, on mute for a little while. Sorry about that. No, that's all right. It's, uh, it's kind of uh, time for Tony me to throw his weekly spanner in the works uh, a little bit. Because that, depending on depending on where you are in the game, I think we sometimes forget that kids just want to play. And and I get why we're talking about learning and everything else. You know, I I, I genuinely do. But even when I was in academy football, you know, if you start telling these kids right, so you're you're a right back, so your game day objectives. Um, are to make overlapping runs and get crosses in. Well, what happens if the left winger that he's playing up against pins him back the whole day? We basically set that kid up to fail. So, I get the, the game day objectives thing. And, and, and again, you've, you've both touched, all three of you have touched on it in terms of the game is about winning and losing. And, and yes, development is, is a big part of that. But I've never met a kid yet in 20 years of coaching in academy football and football that wanted to lose a game. So that one's kind of a given. The way that, that I've tended to do things, and again, it, it's not for everybody, and I understand those that are working in the academy system um, have got PMA duties to fulfil. But actually, the majority of footballers, uh, young footballers particularly, are outside the academy system. They're not interested in game day objectives. They want to come together with their mates. They want to play football. They want to go home at the end of it, having enjoyed it, got muddy, ran about, etc., etc. So what I've done, and even within the academy system, what I did was to produce a, like, for whatever formation we're playing, each position has maybe three um, roles and responsibilities in possession and three out of possession. And for me, that's how I measure their game day effectiveness. Have you managed to tick one, two or three of those boxes the majority of the time? You know, I'm not setting them such specific tasks that to achieve those tasks, they might actually have to go against what the team's trying to achieve. I think it's such a valid point there, Tony, and I think it's a great one because the thing is, you do sometimes get the situation where, I've certainly seen it myself, where coaches are setting targets for players or game day objectives or however you want to you know, kind of dress it up. And it's almost like, well, how does this link into the wider the wider goals of the team? And I think that bit is really key. And I think, again, it's an interesting conversation I had with someone else recently about the idea that with the way things have changed recently, especially in, in England with the, you know, the... the the assessment processes for all the coach education qualifications in that 
it essentially allows for coaches just to have a rationale and a justification for why they're doing what they're doing. Um, and as long as it makes sense, doesn't have to be the strongest case necessarily. But the point being that I think coaches have have, have got to a point where they're not taking that literally. And, and what I mean by that is they think that anything they say, as long as it's got rationale and justification, that it's okay. And I think it's a real danger here because it's all rationale and justification in your theory and your planning. But actually, when it comes to the realities of the situation, yes, you might have a target that you set for a player based on the rationale and justification you've got, but actually it doesn't align anything. It doesn't align with anything in the way it needs to for the team to get their objectives and for the overall goal of the, you know, the, the environment that you're in, whether that's to win games, whether that's to, you know, again, essentially perform in a particular way or whatever else that may be. So I think it's something really important to kind of address there as well. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that, G. You there, Gerard? Yes, I hear. No, just listening in. Really good points. I mean, yeah, anything from you? Yeah, go, go on, turn. No, I was, gonna, I was just going to say that, um, again, going back to this, you know, are they there to play or, or, or are they there for... There for other purposes thing you know 99% of all the players are probably more than that in fact they're probably outside the academy system and even those that are in the academy system I, I I do think that we can bog them down with too much information like I said I get why it's I get why it's done uh, and I understand the PMA process as well as anybody having been what the clubs call a super user for the last god knows how long but you know you just end up writing stuff down for the sake of it and I, and I'm not against coaches developing I'm not against coaches bettering themselves but sometimes I think that some coaches are in danger of bettering themselves at the expense of being able to better their players because too many people are bothered what other people think you know and that's kind of Gerard will know this because he's he's been on one of my courses uh, many, many moons ago. I don't really care what other people think. You know, if there's a if there's something that needs to be said, I think it has to be said. Uh, and sometimes you have to stand up to the fact that we want training objectives, we want match day objectives, we want four targets, one in each corner, we want a super strength in each corner. Sooner or later, the kids are just going to go, I'm so bombarded with information, I forgot to play. I love it, one hundred percent. It's interesting because as I'm listening to you, I just like that a couple of things in my mind were that healthy conflict, and I think healthy conflict is good, and we probably don't have enough of that. Sorry, apologies for background noise. I'm just at my next game with the with the futsal. Um, the other thing, I, I think that's probably got to be one of the lasting messages on this chat. For me, I think you're a great shout. I always think about that video of David Bentley. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen it, but it's worth looking at. And everyone forgets how good he was. And obviously, he played, didn't he, at some brilliant levels. And it was at Blackburn, started to get on the rise. But he said he got to a point where he was getting thrown um, an iPad in front of him all the time, looking at data, looking at this and that. And he just did not enjoy playing football anymore. And I think that's probably a, an outstanding point from you because I think the uh, the P in England has been very good in a lot of respects. But in some cases, you know, for the PMA and what have you, if we're collecting data for the sake of data and we're not utilising it, what's the point? 
And as you p pointed out rightly, why are we overloading them with too much when sometimes they just want to play and wrestle with that? But we're giving them lots of info. I, I think that's a great lasting message. Probably one for us all to be more humble in, I think, of like how much are we actually giving the players? And are we, are we taking them away or distracting them away from what it is that they need to get better at, which is playing the game? I think you spot some, some great points there, guys. Um, just conscious of time, really. I'm not sure if there's anything else that anyone wants to add at this point in here, but I think it's definitely one to kind of unpack further as well with some great considerations made in this conversation in particular. I think one of the key ones in, you know, a topic that I'm looking forward to exploring very soon is how it, how we do actually clarify um, the understanding of players and how we do check learning effectively. So I definitely think that's something that we can kind of lead into next week as well. I don't know if you've got any final points that you want to kind of leave everyone with, Gerard. No, for me, I actually like the point, you know, Tony's raised at the, at the end there, which is, you know, we're all talking about a lot of good practice across our clubs. Lee, some great examples. And I think, you know, massive thank you to everyone who's shared some ideas. I do think it's a good one to leave on as a lasting message, which is, you know, how much are we actually giving the players? You know, are we taking away from the enjoyment of actually playing sometimes or overloading them with too much? And we're giving them all these different challenges. I, I think it's a great shout. Um, and one that anyone who wants to, you know, find out more, this is where we want to unpack stuff. Definitely. You know, we should be joining on more of these conversations. Obviously, we're here every week. Great to see some new faces and some different voices. And I think we've just got to keep this going, haven't we? 100%. I think for me, just for the, you know, last, last kind of final point on this topic as well. And I think... If there's anything that we can do, it just to lead you know lead on from what Tony said there and what you've just mentioned there as well, Gerard is around. Let's make it as simple as possible as we can for the players. Um, one of the biggest things that kind of I've learned to be able to do over the years, yeah, we want to give them as much information as we can, but sometimes too much is actually detrimental to them. So let's, <laughs> I kind of go with the principle of just what's that one thing? What's the one thing that I can give them that's going to make an impact for them? Now there might be there might be many things. But what's the one thing that's going to get them the quickest wins? And if we can start off with that let them consolidate on that and then build on that the following week by adding the next one thing and then the next one thing and so on and so forth. I think we'll get to where we need to get to eventually. So yeah, just some, just some final points for me on that one, but I think some great, great contributions, both from Tony Lee and obviously yourself as well, Gerard on this one. And, and guys, just to build on what Gerard said as well, you know, we're, we're here every week. We're, we're really keen on trying to grow this community. It has been growing. It's great to see so many new faces over the recent weeks. Um, just joining in these conversations and literally that's what this that's what this is all about it's about us networking connecting with other coaches like-minded individuals to hopefully become better at this thing that we call coaching so guys make sure you're following myself and Gerard if you haven't had a chance to catch the full conversation or you're, or you're looking for more insights around any other topics that we've covered in the past you can check that out on the Coaches Network podcast obviously you've got the You Learn Bleed app from Gerard as well where we've done a range of different things on, on there um, and keep an eye out on our pages because we've got announcements coming up over the next couple of days for, for our what will be our fourth webinar? Um, so definitely keep an eye out for that one. Um, there's a lot of lot of lot of exciting stuff that myself and Joel are working on. But in, unless anyone else has got anything to add, take care, guys. Have a great evening, and then we'll see you this time next Sunday. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at The Coaches Network or on Twitter at The Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care.
what's special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.